Hello and welcome to the Apostolic Church Liverpool podcast. We hope the message you're about to listen to will inspire you, will be a blessing to you and give you perspective in life. For more of such messages, you can visit our website at www.tac-lona.org.uk You can also access other messages and resources from our YouTube channel, The Apostolic Church Europe. We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message. <clears throat> there was sin in the assembly. Or sad to say, everybody knew about what was going on in the church. But the problem is that the church was so slow to do anything about what actually going on, which is a kind of reproach to the whole body of Christ. So I said, no judge is perfect, but human imperfection must not be an excuse for sin or for somebody to bring the church into a kind of disrepute. So just as a parent must discipline their children in love or with love, so also churches must exercise discipline over the members of the assembly. So church discipline is not a group of like a kind of pious policemen, you know, out there to try to catch a criminals and all that, like what is happening in the world. That okay, set a policeman or set you know people to look for, to look out for people that are doing something wrong and all that. No, that's not the way Paul was trying to address this situation. He said there should be a discipline in the church. There should be a standard that people need to actually follow up. There should be a kind of ethos that people should actually adhere to. So rather, it is a group of broken-hearted brothers and sisters, just like what pastor said, it is servant and a slave, you know, seeking to restore an erring member of the family. So for somebody that have committed something or that have done something wrong, it doesn't mean that that person has been condemned completely. So the essence of church discipline is to bring that person back into the fold by correcting that person in love. So this is what Paul is actually trying to you know, tell us and trying to bring what is happening in the church at Corinth into the reality of what we are facing today. Amen. Amen. So he said, so when there is a church discipline or a kind of you know, leadership that come up with a kind of discipline to a member of, of the assembly, he said, these people are just kind of repented or born again or rebats brothers and sisters that have broken at it, that God, the spirit of God in them, you know, that they are not seeking out to condemn that person Rather, what they're trying to do is to restore that person that have gone wrong or that have a bit black backslide or done something that is not according to the Bible standard to bring that person back into the family by, you know, admonishing or bring, I mean, giving them kind of biblical encouragement and all that so that they can see what the, the way they are going is not the right way and bring them back into the fold. 
So moving ahead, as it is in some of the members at current church did not want to face the situation and change it. So what Paul is saying is that there are some leadership in that church that they just not ready to say the truth. They're not ready to face the truth. They're not ready to tell those people that are going astray to bring them back or to correct them. You know, in other words, to actually bring discipline. In, 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 into the situation, they're not ready. So Paul now said, okay, with all the information is receiving from that church or from that place or from that assembly, and now look at it and said, what is going on with you, these people? You are all born again. You've got leadership there, especially the leadership. He said, what is going on? So many things is going wrong in that church and nobody is doing anything about it. So when he was receiving all those reports, he now sat down and wrote this letter. And then then he now presented the church or the leadership of that church an important consideration that if you people don't even care at all, can you consider three things, which is very, very, very important. So Paul put this consideration into place, which we're going to look at that summarizes all the chapter five and chapter six that we actually want to talk about, which is church discipline in itself. Now, you now put three considerations in place. Number one, he said, consider the church. Number two, consider the lost sinners. Number three, consider the Lord. So what Paul is saying in essence is that if you, the leadership of the church will not bring in place or put in place church discipline that will put so many of these members or so many of these people that are going astray in place and bring them back into the fold by just making sure that they follow the ethos of the church and the biblical steps that has been laid down for them. Can you not consider the church itself? And who are the church? The members. Can you not consider those people that we've already preached to, that are born again, that are looking up onto you guys? So is there, can they not consider the church? Now, the second thing he said, can they not consider the sinners, the lost sinners, the unbelievers out there that are looking up onto them that, okay, at least there is no anything in the world for them. But if they cannot gain anything outside there, and inside the church that they probably will be thinking that, okay, something reasonable supposed to be going on over there. They now find out that this is what is happening within the church. So can you not consider those people by bringing them back into the fold instead of seeing you and then continuing with their journey of lost partition? Now, he said that then the third consideration, he said, can you not consider the Lord that actually came, died for you? Do you want the death of Christ to just be in vain? Why people allow all this laxity to continue? So he put those two, three considerations together and then he used those three considerations for chapter five and six for us to consider. So we're going to be looking at them one by one as we go on. So number one, consider the church. And that is where he started from, First Corinthians chapter five. So he looked at from verse 1 to 13 to consider that. 
Number one, he said, what will this sin do to the church? And what is happening there? First Corinthians chapter 5, 1 to 13. I won't be reading the whole, the whole, so I will be picking those verses one after the other as we as I'm trying to explain. Because if we said, okay, we should read the whole chapter. I'm sure we know it's going to take us a lot of times. And I want to believe that some of us have read chapter five and six ahead of time. And I can get that from the question and answer that we started with. So which is a very, very good point for us. So from chapter one and two, he said, looking at what they are doing in that church, what will this sin do to the church? He was asking a question. It's certainly, it's certainly an important consideration. What, we, what you people are doing, what you are going through, what you, you, your attitude, your characters, can you not think what this is going to do to the church? He said, Christians are called to be saints, First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. And this means only living to the glory of God. If a Christian loves his church, he will not stand by and permit sin to weaken it or perhaps ruin its testimony. So what is the chapter 1 and, and verse 1 and 2 telling us? If you quickly just take us back, please, uh, so that we know the kind of sin that was actually going on. So that, was give, that will give us an idea of what Paul was trying to talk about. So this is the report that Paul received concerning this church. Verse 1 says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, impurity of sort that is condemned and does not occur, even among the unbelievers, Athens. For a man has his own father's wives. In other words, some of them are sleeping with their father's wives, their stepmother which is a kind of something that cannot even be had among the unbelievers. This is sort of things that is going on within this church. And guess what? They are proud and arrogant. They are even proud of what they are doing. They can't see anything wrong in that. And the leadership actually looking at it and they can't even be bothered to put correction, to put discipline in place. For these people. And Paul went ahead and said, and you are proud and arrogant. And, and in sorrow and in shame until the person who has done this shameful act or shameful things is removed from your fellowship and among you. So you can see the gravity of the kind of things that is going on in this kind of church. So that is why Paul was saying they, this church was not only divided, they were disgraced to the body of Christ. They are doing some abominable acts that even in the, in the midst of unbelievers, such things cannot be had. Now, this is why Paul was actually addressing the leadership. If you people just you know, continue to have a closing eyes to all this, what is going on. And with the report that we are getting here, it's absolutely ridiculous. So he said, can you not consider what this is doing to the church? What this is doing to the, 
the, the image of the church, what all this is doing to the testimonies of the church out there before the unbelievers. If you cannot consider that, can you not consider the unbelievers that are looking on, 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 up onto you outside there? If you cannot consider that, can, can you not consider the Lord Jesus Christ that came, died for your sin? Do you want his death and his resurrection to, to be in vain? So in other words, that is what Paul is trying to address. If you go back to our slide, please. So consider the church. He said, how should we respond? Paul is saying that if a Christian, as a Christian believers, we, you cannot stand by and permit such sins to weaken or perhaps ruin the testimony of the church or ruin the image of the church. So how do we now respond? This is now what Paul is trying to say to the leadership of the church. How do we now put discipline in place to ensure that all these, there are checks that put things in place? So Paul gave three specific instructions for the church to follow. Number one, and he took it from that verse one and two that we, talk about, that we just read. He said, mourn over the sin. This is the word used for mourning over the dead, which is perhaps the deepest, the deepest and most painful kind of personal sorrow possible. He said they should mourn over what is happening. They should bury their head in shame and cry that, how can such things be happening in the body of Christ? Somebody come around sleeping with his stepmother all manner of sexual immorality, and nobody is saying anything about it. There is indiscipline of all manner of kinds going on in that church. So Paul is saying that they need to mourn over those sins. And guess what happened? Instead of mourning, the people at Corinth were puffed up. They were arrogant. They were boasting of the fact that they are their church was so open-minded. And that is what is happening in the church today. People like everything that is just, you know, in vogue. Because they will tell you that, oh, you people are not enlightened. We are open-minded. So we bring open-minded clique or cliche into the church, whereas the discipline that's supposed to be applicable has been thrown out of the window. And this is what Paul is trying to address. He said even the people that are practicing all manner of sexual immorality could be members in good standing in that church. He said they should mourn those sins they should bury their head in shame and cry and bring all those people that are practicing all this manner of stuff and bring them back into the fold. So when went ahead said the sin in question was a form of incest, a professed Christian, a member of the church was living with his stepmother in a permanent alliance. And Paul went ahead and shamed the church by saying even the unsaved Unbelievers out there don't practice that kind of sin. And this is lack of discipline that is happening in this kind of church. And Paul is telling us that we should look at all this and apply discipline in church. We should not say in the name of open-minded 
or there is equality and diversity mm -hmm. and all that, and threw away the actual discipline, the biblical discipline that we need to follow out of the window. Praise the Lord. So I went ahead, I went ahead and said, why it is true that Christian life is a feast, according to 1 Corinthians 5, 8. Say there are times when it becomes a funeral, where we, we, we need to sit down and mourn and talk and reason. It's not all about jamboring and everything, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, up, up there. Sometimes when things are not doing in a proper way, it's high time that people apply proper discipline and talk sense. So this is what Paul is talking about. So whenever a Christian brother or sister sins, it is time for the family to mourn, to seek, to help the fallen believers, bring them back into the fold. Galatians 6.1.2. I'm going to quickly read that. Galatians 6. He said, brethren, six, verse one and two. He said, brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, now he's talking to the leadership, who are responsive to or controlled by the spirit, not only the leadership, you that have the spirit of God in you, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority. So you don't say, oh, I'm this, I'm Deacon, or I'm Helder, I'm... No, if you have the spirit of God in you, not with the sense of, oh, let Elders talk and sit down and judge that person. No, people with the spirit of God should restore, reinstant that brother or that sister that is going astray. And this is what Paul is trying to say. And this is what he's talking about, the church discipline. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. He said, not with any sense of superiority, but with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself as well. Because you that is trying to, you know, correct somebody or trying to bring, you need to be careful as well, lest you should be tempted also. Now in verse two, he said, bear and your carry one another's burden, troublesome moral fault. In this way, fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ and complete in what is lacking in your obedience to it. Praise the Lord. So that is what Paul was, yeah, that's Galatians 6, 1 and 2 that I've just read. So if you go back to our our slide. So what Paul was saying is that what is happening in that church, the, the leadership of people with the spirit of God needs to come together and bring that people back into the fold. They need to, it is it's not a time to feast. It's not a time to rejoice over somebody that is falling or somebody that is, you know, walling away from the grace. It is not a time for rejoicing. It's not a time that, oh, I'm better, well, spiritually, I'm better than those people. 
they, they, no, it's a, it's a time to mourn. It's a time to bring that brother back into the fold. It's time to bring that sister back into the fold in love. And by the way, he said the offending brother in that church, in that, in, in, in that Corinthian church, he said he was dead as far as the things of the Lord were concerned. He was out of the fellowship with the Lord because those people that are practicing all sorts manner of sexual immorality that is going on in that church of Corinth, he said they were out of fellowship with the Lord. They were out of fellowship completely with the church, even with those people that have separated their life to Christ. They were not in fellowship with all those people because they are just living the way Satan want them to live. And that is why he's saying to the leadership or to people that have got the spirit of God in them that it is time for them to mourn over those things and bring those people back. Then second things that he's talking about, which goes on, which take us to um, verse, three, verse three to five. He said, just the same. Judge the sin. I said, why Christians are not to judge one another's motives or the ministry? We are certainly expected to be honest about each other's conduct. When you see a brother that is falling away or that is, you know, walking on, on a path that is not biblically, all right, according to what God or Jesus Christ has laid down for us, it is time for Ross, as a brother or as a sister, to actually bring that person back. We are to be honestly looking at each other's conduct. So Paul described here an official church meeting at which the offender was dealt with according to the divine instruction. He went ahead and said, public sin must be publicly judged and condemned. And the reason why Paul was saying is that, now look at what is going on. Because some of the leadership or some of those people that are supposed to be taking responsibility in that church in Corinth, they just looking aside. Why? Because some of them were like, oh, I, we, you know, we just don't want people, these people to leave, or we just don't want these people to, you know, they just kind of trying to put a kind of forward around lori. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? You know, they just trying to put a kind of and and like oh no it's okay it's all right don't worry uh, yeah it, that's fine it's okay no problem it's allowed you know if they just moderate you know something that is not even supposed to be acceptable at all in the first instance praise the lord so paul was saying that they need to judge the sin so he said the sin was not supposed to be swept under the rug or under the carpet for after all it was known far and wide, even among even all the unbelievers that are outside there, they can see, they hear, they know what is happening in that church. That ah, oh, don't even go there. That church, forget. If you see what they are doing in that place, you won't even you won't even want to go there and just forget them. That is the kind of reproach. That is bring, bring that, that that was bringing or that has been brought upon the church because of the attitude of what these people are doing. So Paul was saying that the church was to gather together and deal with the offenders. Discipline, apply proper discipline. 
but in love. He said, not to judge the people itself, but to judge the act and deal with that accordingly. Now, you will notice one thing. Note the strong words that Paul was using to instruct them. If you, if you look at the, 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 the verses that we read, verse 2, he said, take away from among you, deliver such one unto Satan. If you just, let's look, let's look at that verse 3 to 5, please. Um, Dickens. So that you will understand what Paul was trying, the strong words that Paul actually used. Three to five. He said, As for my attitude, though I am absent from you in body, because he wasn't there, he was getting report from them. I am present in spirit, and I've already decided and passed judgment as if actually present in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ on the man who has committed such a deed. When you and my own spirit are met together with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, next verse, please. You are to deliver this man over to Satan. Physical discipline to destroy carnal loss, which prompted him to incest, which prompted that person to commit such abominable acts that his spirit may yet be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, he said, Paul, okay, 6, about the condition of your church, your boasting is no good. Indeed, it is most unseemly and entirely out of place. Do you not know that just a little living will ferment the whole lump of dough? Purge, clean, the whole living that you may be fresh, new dough, still uncontaminated as you are for Christ and Passover of the Lamb has been sacrificed. Amen. So that is what Paul is trying to say. See, the church was to put together and deal with the offenders. And you can imagine all those strong words that he was using to instruct them. He said, take away from among you. Deliver such person unto Satan. Purge out, clean completely, put away. So Paul did not suggest him that they should undo all this with levity or with a kind of, oh, it's okay, don't worry. You know, a lot of people will start speaking English when they're supposed to address the issue, the ways of the, the, the issue supposed to be addressed. They start speaking a kind of English. Oh, no, it's all right, don't worry. Yeah, we look into that, you know, and all that manner of stuff. Praise the Lord. So, of course, we said we assume that the first, the spiritual leader of the church sought to restore that man personally. They so they're supposed to talk to that person, you know, just like what Galatians chapter six actually told us. Try as much as possible to deal with that person with gentleness, with love, and all that, and raising and judge that sin, and make sure that the actual sinner came to repentance. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, can I ask a question, sir? Oh, not a question, just add something. Uh, what, what I wanted to thank you very much, sir. That's very explicit and very, uh, I mean, very detailed. What I also want to add to that is an healthy, an healthy church. 
yeah, will also not wait till when incidences like that happened. So unhealthy church, what we'll, we will do is that number one, before we get to that time, we're each other's, we're brothers and sisters, we're brethren, we're new creature family, we're now family, we're now born into the family of God. And that's why God placed the solitude, placed us in family, the family of God. So we look after each other. I think the problem we have these days is that people say, no, no, it's their privacy. Now, when you're in the family, you have, for example, husband, wife, you have children, it's a family. You share the same privacy together in a way. So what am I trying to say? And healthy church will we not also wait till when that kind of serious incident that Brother Paul said that even the unbelievers will not do it happened before they now start handing over that person to Satan. So we make sure that those things are nipped in the board before it gets to that time. What, through the word of God and through, uh, uh, through things like this. So the same way that parents will make sure that they don't wait till their kids start carrying on or start doing that before they say, so you address it. When you see kids tie, taking something that doesn't belong to them, when you see them start behaving or start coming home with wrong people, you just say, no, 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 not come. we need to talk at this point, what's going on? So also in the church as a family, that's what we are meant to do. And, and I thank God because this also balances what we've been talking about, what we're talking about in chapter four, about uh, you know condemnation. It's not condemnation, it's about being a family and growing together in the process of santification so that we don't uh we're washing that for each other because all the i mean generally so that together we can uh, iron sharpness iron and that's what the bible says praise god amen hallelujah thank you pastor yes. and that is exactly what paul was trying to say in that um, galatians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 that you know if there's any person that is overtaken in a kind of misconduct of any sort, mm. you know, try to bring that person to restore, to reinstate that person without any kind of sense of superiority or any, any kind of judgment mm. to that person, but with all gentleness mm. to actually make sure that person was brought back into the fold. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I just put a kind of question there that I just want us to actually look at. When Paul was saying that deliver such unto Satan, what does it mean to deliver someone or deliver a Christian or, you know, to, unto Satan? So if we can just discuss about that within two minutes, one or two contributions we do. Uh, can I can I talk? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Praise God. Uh, just because uh, our teacher said two minutes. So the in in I think so many churches have interpreted it differently, but in apostolic church, the interpretation is excommunication. So what you do? So excommunication does not mean. So what it means is that they will. There's, there's a time in the assembly, in the whole of the assembly, in which they will say, for this, this, this you have done, we are therefore we, we excommunicate. So excommunication there does not mean that that person is no longer a member of that thing. But there are some things that you will never, ever be allowed to do. For example, you can't sit in the front, you can't 
when they say somebody should pray, you can't be leading, but you can't lead anything. If you're in the choir, you can't, you will not be allowed to be, in, you can't be in any group. So in other words, you're like, an, you're still a member, you're an outcast. So the essence is to punish your body. Your soul is saved, but so punish your body so that you can come into repentance. And when they see the genuine repentance, they bring you back. So that's it. They esco- so that's the way it is being interpreted in the apostolic church. You excommunicate. So it's not like they hand you over and they say, you know what, go and die. No. So they will excommunicate you and stop you from that. It is very obvious. And what makes it very important that they do it in the presence of the whole church. Because when you bring those kind of act into the open, then you put, you, you, you just like what Jesus Christ did. He said, he said, he put them to the cross, yeah, and nailed them on the cross. And it's like, oh, it's very shameful thing for someone to be nailed on the cross. It's the same thing with that thing. You bring it to an open, and so that way you have actually silenced the accusers of the brethren. So that's in light of, so I don't know, it could be different in other countries, but that is the way we interpret it in apostolic. Um, please, can I say can I say something? And, and I think I've w- witnessed a few a few ones in a combined service, which was which was so scary for me. I was like, oh my god, this is is this how it looks? But I think what actually did what actually what that did for a few of us or many of us or the, the same kind of person. Um, um, well, what what that I think did to the church at that time was that it made people adjust, you know, to, to their life in God, that they don't want to, you know, come through that kind of embarrassment, so to say. Because to me, like I said, during those times when I witnessed those combined um, service um, commit, commitment onto Satan, it was so scary. And I remember that, okay, so Ifeb was also saying to me that, you know, that has scared a lot of youth away from the church because they feel like, oh my God, this seems too harsh. But this has to, it has to be harsh so that every one of us can sit up. I was going to ask another question. Sorry. So how did you get a theme for chapter five to be um, conduct to the church? Sorry, I, I, I'm just trying to apply it so that I want, as I'm listening, sir. No, the theme for it is... Uh, be wise about church discipline. So, we, so it's not so it's not individual. It, was, it wasn't like say individual per se, but it's, Paul is addressing what is going on in church at Corinth. Then we are looking at it with the eyes of bringing it to into today's church. world. And how does that applicable to us in today's? Okay, sir. Thank you, sir. And how can we, you know? allow such discipline to, to actually go on in the church. Can I say something? Um, <clears throat> the purpose, why it looks ash, or why it has to be done that way, even in the Apostolic Church today, is to, is to shape, you see, most of this, don't forget, is Satan is the devil that makes him or makes the offender to, to offend. So it's to shame the devil in his life. That is why the purpose of such excommunication, like the pastor said, you know, we took all duties he had been performed before, took a, be taken away from him or her, 
Now, the, the idea is to not, not to shame him personally, but the devil that caused him to so he will have no hold upon him. This publicly is a shame. So he would, he would think twice. If he's a pastor, he'll be sitting. If he's an apostle, he'll sit. If he comes to the church, he'll be sitting at the back, very back, at the very back, you know, so that he will be able to rethink his way and come. It's not to scare him away or scare him. Don't forget, if you are a son of perdition, if you are a son, if you are, if you are a child of salvation, you will, you will take correction. You are not going to take it as. Uh, oh yeah, this is too harsh. I, I, I leave the church. I leave. I leave. You leave Jesus. You leave the church. The church is the body of Christ. So you leave the body of Christ. You go your own way. No, you, you, if you if you are not, you, you think about it. What Satan has caused you to do is is the, is that power behind it that is shaped, yes. not the person. So Daddy, can I can I quickly say something? Like for my age group, if you if I do something bad and you tell me to go sit at the back and you will call me to come pray, I think I'll be happy. I won't feel disciplined. So it might need a bit of review. Maybe at the time when they did that rule, it would apply to the people. But for, for my age group, the the act of calling me out and embarrassing me and telling me to go to the back wouldn't discipline me because I know my mind, so to say. So I'm not sure if. If you, I just want to add that part, sir. Thank you. Yeah. What, will it, what, what, will it do, what will it do to you? Will it, will it make you more uh, stiffer? Uh, I'll just, well, I'll shrug and just, I'll just lay, stay laid back, so to say. Praise uh, the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Praise God. Sorry, sir. Uh, uh, I think in the okay. Sorry, is. Uh, uh, I think Edda uh, Deku wants to quickly say something because he knows. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah, what, what I just want to add here, just like uh, our daddy has mentioned, one of the things that I remember then that used to happen is they will first call those people into a meeting mm. and discuss with them yeah. because it's something that is wrong and he, they will need to let them know that for other people not to take after that behavior, that is why they need to do that. Because if they did not do it, they're not that strict and just say, let, we, let, let me do it. Since nothing will go out of it. But it's like a caution to people, uh, to others. And that is why they will have told them that this is the step the church is going to take in order to prevent similar things from for people, for we that were very little then, because that, the time that that happened, I remember I was less than 10 years old. It, it really shook us as children. But those people, by the time they now later restored them, in fact, a lot of them are big ministers of God today and wives of ministers of God. Yeah. Because we always look at their life as a model to us. That's why what they've done, if it is uh, uh, like the, uh, the sister is saying, if it is this time around, uh, with the kind of environment uh, that the children are exposed to, they might not want to take it like the way we used to take it before. Because as little as we are, they, 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 they made us to understand what the Lord wants. And so with that, we also take it with a good mind. And also, oh, we, we, and at the end of the day, I remember one thing they always say is that 
we should always pray for those people for their restoration. Yes. That we should not just leave them and think that they are not part of us. That we should keep praying for them. And I think if same thing applies today, a lot of things will have been corrected because, to tell you the truth, a lot of people uh, that don't usually take it with the good mind end up becoming something else. Thank you.